So I finally have ordered my Solana mobile phone. But you didn't get it yet. It's ordered. Yeah, so I ordered my phone finally after going back I was about to be pissed because I got my order like <laughs> two weeks ago and I haven't gotten a phone yet. So. Oh, I mean, my email said it was going to be two to three business days and I ordered it yesterday, oh, day before. fuck me. So they sent me an email saying, hey, we need your phone number. And I sent really? it back, but I didn't get any kind of confirmation. I'm wondering if like my order got set aside as like we need more info and now it's like not on whatever automated system makes it just go out because like i should have it by now i don't think there's any automated system with this thing like how much struggle i had to actually order mine it was actually uh steve lucher actually messaged me in the solana mobile like help disc help ticket <laughs> no uh, way thread. yeah steve was like hey it's fixed now actually you should try to use it and i did and it worked right away so i finally ordered it and actually i got the playing card airdropped to my wallet like an hour or so before. So I got like both of them back to back. Nice. What card did you get? I got the, it was a King of Spade, I think. King of Spades. So I told you um, I've got two wallets that have the yes. Saga Pass. So one of them, I got the Two of Hearts. And then what did I get for the other one? Looks like King of Spades, yeah. So I have a King of Spades and a Two of Hearts. Nice, nice. So from what I gathered, there was a 25% chance of getting each of the four. And then there was a one of one for the Joker is uh, how it was being broken down. I didn't look too far in. I like saw a tweet or something, but I didn't look too far into what was going to happen with this stuff. Do you know what the plan is? So I have no idea what the plan is, but I did see a tweet from maybe it was in the Solana Mobile Discord, possibly somewhere from Solana Mobile. There's going to be some sort of game that you can play with them. They didn't give a whole lot of details, but something to the effect of once the actual phones get launched out in the public, in the wild, you can play your best hand, I think is what it said, to do something. No Interesting. one knows. Interesting. I mean, that's kind of cool. I like the idea. I I like how existing sales of things being coupled with NFTs could play out. Right? Because it's like the NFTs could turn into this cool game where it's like, oh, you have this specific card that you could only get early on. And now it's like this tradable thing. And I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of reminiscent of like, we were talking about collecting stuff in like the 90s, right? A couple episodes ago. Didn't we, didn't we talk about that? I don't know if we talked about it while recording, but we did talk about it at some point in the last okay. couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I was never super into it, but I remember it being a big thing, right? Like people collecting yeah. baseball cards, Pokemon cards, you know. I was all about the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yu-Gi-Oh, dude. So I was all into those TV shows. Yeah. I like, didn't give a fuck about the card games, but I loved the TV shows, watching Yu-Gi-Oh and like Pokemon and all that. It was awesome. I was actually the opposite. I was all about watching Pokemon and then playing with the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Interesting. Um... Yeah, dude. So I, I don't know. It's just like it's re it's reminiscent of that a little bit to me where it's like you like get a card, a Pokemon card when you get like a Happy Meal or something. Right. It's just like you could end up with something valuable 20 years from now just because you like kept a card from a Happy Meal or something. And that's that's one of the super cool things about NFTs in, in general, because you have this uh, collectible digital asset. You can do whatever you want with it. And I've heard it talked about a lot. But one of the things that I think is super interesting is like 
blockchains of public ledger so anyone can see it any company can see it so companies could potentially if they get in the space and decide to do an nft drop for for whatever they want they could potentially drop their nfts to their competitors holders of their nfts to like give some sort of random benefit for their personal brand which i think is really cool so like in the end it gives a lot more like not necessarily buying power but it gives a lot more it provides a lot more value to a consumer which i think is really cool so it's like a net positive for people in the end and then so like you could get airdropped a saga pass like everyone who registered a first batch of people that bought their solana mobile or pre-ordered it i guess they got airdropped a Saga Pass, and I think at some point it got up to like 10 soul that you could sell it for if, if people were trading them and whatnot. Oh, dang. That's cool. I Look, if anyone is listening who's like a crypto hater, which you're not listening to this if you're a crypto hater, but it's like my whole thing is like even if everything that, that I and Nick and like everyone in the space right now thinks is cool, even if all that stuff doesn't pan out and isn't what crypto ends up being used for, Crypto is absolutely providing greater optionality for how to accomplish different tasks, how to create different types of markets, how to create different types of goods and services. And optionality is never a bad thing, right? It's just like something in the space is going to be enormously helpful. I personally think we've already found quite a few of those things. But even if everything today that people are excited about like doesn't actually pan out, something will because crypto like provides unique use cases that couldn't necessarily work the same without it. Anyway, yeah, that it, was quick aside to <laughs> say, if you're a hater, like stop. I don't know. <laughs> Just be a believer already, damn it. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Like there's a lot of really cool things that have been produced and built because blockchain doesn't necessarily allow it. Like some of these things, like a digital collectible like those debatably existed for the last 20 years of the internet but there was no way it, like it's just a, a line item in a database owned by some company say you're playing whatever video game you like and you have 50,000 gold in that video game that's just a line item record in a database that doesn't mean anything you can't take it elsewhere but like with crypto and with blockchain technology you can take it anywhere you have that composability and you have that true ownership this conversation gets super nuanced. I don't know if we want to have this conversation right now, but it's like you could totally argue someone who isn't really into crypto could totally argue that you can't take it anywhere. It's locked into the chain that it's on the same way that like a line item in a traditional database is locked into whoever runs that database, which I think is totally accurate. The difference is that chain is meant to be a broader network. It doesn't map one-to-one -to, -one to just like a centrally owned database. It's a network that is publicly available and visible to, to anyone. And then on top of that, the ethos of cryptos, of cryptos, the ethos of crypto <laughs> is to, <laughs> is to be like open and, and make things available everywhere. And so you have people building like bridges all over the place to, to where things can be between chains and long-term, who knows what that's going to look like, right? It's like, are we going to end up with one chain to rule them all? Are we going to end up with a bunch of L2s on top of other chains? Are we going to end up with all of the above? I don't fucking know. I don't pretend to know, right? It's like whatever wins out hopefully is the best solution to whatever it is we're trying to solve at the time. And so I'll be into it when it happens. I inherently believe in a multi-chain future. I don't think there's going to be one chain to rule them all. 
broadly speaking, I think there's going to be use case specific chains in a lot of ways, but certain chains would definitely prevail. There probably won't be more than five, if I had to guess. Five that have like have that scale. That yeah, scale. yeah. I think you'll have three to five that are just like massive, and then yeah, exactly, and then you'll have a bunch of long tail chains. Like you said, they're almost like app specific chains that roll up to some, you know. That, that sort of thing. That's kind of what, what makes a little bit of sense to me. Although I hope that as we consolidate to, to specific chains for specific purposes, bridges become more, not just implementation of bridges becoming more common, but like protocols for how communication between chains should happen become sort of common. I don't know. We'll see what happens. There's still a lot missing in my opinion, but it's young and we're still building things. We forget often that like software generally is young, right? Someone on Twitter, I don't remember who it was. I'm not trying to bash on anyone, but someone was saying like, stop saying it's early that, that like does the, the space a disservice. I disagree. I still say we're early in software. Like as a software consultant, I'm constantly talking with clients who are non-technical and I compare software to physical construction often in terms of trying to explain the way that we need to plan out what we're gonna build before we start building it and like how we approach that, that sort of thing. And so naturally my mind, when I'm just on my own, is thinking about the two next to each other. Physical construction has had thousands and thousands of years to evolve and software has had like 70 years, right? It's like software is new, computers are fucking new, right? Like this whole thing is new. So, like, excuse me for saying it's early 10 years into the crypto experiment. It's like, no, it, it is early. And yeah. it's early in software. And that doesn't negate the fact that you can still do cool shit with it. I wholeheartedly agree with that. We'll move on from this because I have strong opinions about bridges, but we'll save that for another episode. I'm excited to hear those when it happens. Speaking of a multi-chain, did you see Phantom started rolling out their multi-chain wallets and like, yes. I guess beta, beta use? That's so are you excited about that or how, how do you feel about that? I think it's really cool. I have a MetaMask wallet. Like I said, I believe in a multi-chain future. I have MetaMask, but like I don't really use it. Why is it so bad? I don't know. And that's the thing. Like Phantom, I saw some people were tweeting about this and they were comparing MetaMask to the Phantom Ethereum experience. And it's like MetaMask gives you a breakdown. You're going to pay all this gas and you can like adjust some settings and whatnot. It's like the, it's like the advanced user settings that are like enabled by default. But Phantom just straight up says, most people that are listening to this podcast like have used Phantom, whether or not they use it now or have in the past. Phantom it just says, you're going to spend X amount of soul. You're going to receive X token. It just tells you like right away in like very simple interface. And like people that have like never really used Solana or Phantom before that are coming from the Ethereum world were just like so blown away. They're like, oh my God, look at this wallet. It's so much easier, so much more user-friendly. And that's like, by default, user-friendly. Now, I do wish that Phantom would add more bells and whistles for advanced users to kind of like tweak their interface and their settings yeah. and whatnot. Because like, I'm a developer, so I, I switch between mainnet, devnet, and testnet, and local net. Like, it's such a pain in the ass to switch between which network you're on. So like for a regular person, for those non-developer people that don't need to do that, like that doesn't really matter. Giving that extra friction is probably a good thing. But like for a developer, I can't enable developer mode to make it more user-friendly for myself. Like it's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, I get that. 
that's the age old debate. I say age old, but really 70 years, 30 years, really for like operating systems and stuff. But you know, windows versus Linux versus Mac OS is it's like, yeah, you get Apple stuff and you're going to be more locked into one simple interface and it will work for 95% of use cases. And then you're going to have 5% of people who are like, I want to do more than this allows and there are ways around it within that OS, but it may or may not be your cup of tea, which is why you end up with people who are like, hate Apple products, even though most people love them, right? Which is totally fine. It's like, it's fine to have preferences. That's why I'm excited about like Backpack, for example. Do you have a test code? Did you get one from Breakpoint? I can probably like get a you a code. Do you not have, co- you don't have Backpack yet? I don't, dude, hook me up. I need a Shit, code. Shit, dude, you need to be telling me this stuff earlier. We need to be, we need to be sharing secrets. Hook me up, hook <laughs> a brother up. I'll check after this to see if I have an invite code. I don't actually know how that works. All I know is I've had it for a while and I use it on and off, kind of in that like developer mode type stuff. I have not used it as regularly as I would like, mostly because for some reason, the last couple months, I've almost exclusively used Phantom on mobile. And so it just like, you know, I haven't been using it on my computer as much, but I love the features they're cranking out. I'd love that someone can tweet a thing and Armani will be like, Here's the pull request for it like three hours later. That that kind of that kind of stuff is just like fuck yeah. Armani, a true gentleman. You don't do that when things aren't early. You don't ship like a day of a request if oh, things yeah, aren't no, early. Absolutely no. It's not worth doing that. It's like Apple doesn't ship like that because it's not worth it to them. Right? They it's what's worth it to them is to take their time and make sure that things are like right. And so again, call back to like the early thing. It's like, it's obviously early. Otherwise our money wouldn't be shipping same day. And I fucking love that he is. And we should keep that general ethos and like just crank stuff out. Move with a quickness. Yeah, man. Did you see the, I don't remember who it was. Someone that works at another Solana wallet. They posted something about how backpacks not open source. And they like, they were basically getting like real nitty gritty about how does one define open source? And they opened an issue in the backpack repo. They were like, the issue was like, backpack's not open source, stop saying it is. Like, here's how open source is defined. And Armani just had very cordial sort of uh, something to the effect of it's uh, it's source available and we'll consider updating the actual license, making it like fully changeable by anyone that wants to run with it as a product later. We'll potentially consider that down the future. What was the dude's argument? It's something to the effect of like the open source foundation or, or whatever, like ethos of open source. Like it has to have a certain type of license in order to allow anyone to change the code and use it for their own reason. That feels like getting ultra nitpicky. It, it, it seemed like it, but Armani had just a very cordial response of like, basically, uh, this is what it is. Thank you. Goodbye. And I was like, yes, I like it. I think it's sufficient to be like open source is... I can you see can look and at the code. I can, I can I can fork and use this thing for personal reasons. To me, it's still open source. If you're saying, "Hey, you can't use this for commercial reasons," that's fine. Absolutely, I have no issue with that license. As a developer, do I often wish that I could use someone's stuff for commercial reasons? Yes. If you think about why crypto cares about open source, it's because we want to feel like we can trust the things that we're handing token custody over to, and so we want to be able to see the code and verify that it does what it says it does. And so in my mind, read access to code is good enough for open source to sort of check that box. 
Yeah, I, I for sure agree with that. So let's see. Hackathon ended today, right? Are submissions due tonight or were they due last night? I think I saw somewhat something from, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? From Solend. Soju? Yes. Yeah, I think it was Soju posted it in Lamport Dow that the hackathon submissions were going to close in some number of hours. So it'll be after this is already live. We'll just say hackathon submissions have ended. Hackathon's over. I'm excited to see what comes out. That's hackathons are always kind of exciting. You get a bunch of just people who are like building stuff for fun, which is great. And then you get a couple of really solid projects that people can really rally behind and get excited about. We'll see what comes out of that. I think that one of the things that's going to be kind of interesting is this was a pretty short hackathon. It was like two weeks ish, something like that. That's not a very long hackathon for someone to ship a full product. It's how they should. It's how they should be. I agree. But uh, so like the Solana summer hackathon for last year was three ish months. So it's like significantly longer of a time period. You said the hackathon last summer was how many months? It was just a month, right? I thought it was like two or three months. I think it was just a month. It was just like middle of July to middle of August. The summer camp hackathon. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It was still longer than the Sandstorm hackathon by by far. But but I think it was just a month, maybe maybe just over. Maybe I'm misremembering. I mean, you actually participated in it, so. I did participate, so I'm going to go with what I say. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, then, but the Magic the Magic Eden Hackathon lasted forever. It was originally a month, and then they, like, extended it. And I don't know if that really? was because it, like, crossed over holidays or something. I don't know why they ended up extending it. But it got mm. extended, which was both, like, great, I needed the extra time, but also, like, Jesus, <laughs> I've been doing this hackathon forever. So I actually think shorter, I would be inclined to participate in shorter hackathons in the future. The reason I say that I'm at this phase where like I'm managing a bunch of projects at once. And so when you have this long hackathon thrown in there, it's easy for me to just treat it like, like my other projects rather than with the like intensity and focus that I want to give a hackathon project. If you say, Hey, we've got two months to build this hackathon project. It's like I'm allocating a few hours a week to trying to staff people on the project, trying to like see what's been happening instead of hacking on it myself. And I want to hack, like I want to participate in a hackathon and actually like code, right? If you tell me, hey, we're going to set aside four days, like a Friday to Tuesday type of situation to do a hackathon, that's a short enough time frame that like once or twice a year, I might even like, I might even leave my house to hack on something like that so that I'm like away from my kids and spouse and stuff. Right. And actually just code for a few days. And that would be sick. I would really enjoy that. I think no matter how long a hackathon is, like if you want it to be shorter, you can always make it shorter. Like, so if say if the whole hackathon is officially that's, allotted for one that's month, that's not how you external could just, motivation you could just works. Do two weeks. That's come on. You're, then you get then you're like putting the onus on me to be disciplined for a few days like that doesn't fucking work come on you're right i'm over here calmly making excellent points look maybe some people operate like that because they've been in the military for who knows how long the rest of us have (laughs) zero discipline and need external things forced on us to make us do anything hey discipline is all relative are you saying you're not disciplined are you saying you don't think you're disciplined i don't think i'm disciplined what time did you wake up this morning? I snoozed four times this morning. And still woke up at? 
like 10 minutes before I had to walk out my door to like get to work on time. I need a time, man. What time did you wake up? Uh, 6.40, a.m. You snoozed four times and still got up before seven. You want to know what time I woke up today? Nine. 8.45, and that was early for me. Yeah, well, I had, to, had the wife and I had to get out the house, got to get the kid to daycare. I am not a, I am not like a regimented person. I'm good at like these bursts of intensity, but it helps to have like short deadlines and just like very in your face requirements. And then I just like really get my ass in gear and get stuff done. How about this? I can give you an in your face requirement from the day you get your saga phone. You have two weeks to make a production app and ship it. Boom. There you have your own personal hackathon. What's, what's the app? What happens if I do it? What happens if I do it? What happens if I don't? Because you got it's got to be real. Ooh. You can't just like okay, tell okay, me. Okay. I have to actually, it's got to have high stakes. I don't know about high stakes, but I will, I will, I don't know. <laughs> All right. You think about it and you get I'll back think to something. me. Hold on. Let me, let me see how much bonk I have. If you tell me you're going to give me 50,000 bonk, I will punch you in the nose because <laughs> that's nothing. <laughs> I'll give you 69,000 bonk. That, that's what, like a couple cents? <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? Oh, man. Don't get me wrong. I want more bonk. Just that isn't enough to move the needle. You know what? I'll tell you what. So in one of the, in the previous episode that we recorded and we got rugged by our recording software, we talked a bunch about Solana Spaces and you had not signed up for the Solana Spaces NFT drop thing. I am now. Yeah, but I have nine nfts from them you can pick any one of the nfts from my solana spaces drops and i will give it to you some of those are pretty dope you can choose any one you want but you have two weeks from the day you get it all right i'm down Ooh, i kind of like that last one this one i think this one's brand new actually that's pretty i don't think i've seen this one waterfall all right two weeks from when i get my phone to ship an app do you have any requests for what the app is and what it should do? It has to work. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what. I will. I will be your. I will be your tester. How about that? Great, I will. Because uh, I have an Android phone. Hopefully, by the time you have completed this two-week challenge, I will have my phone as well. You're gonna have your saga before I will, apparently. So. Yeah. 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 I gotta send someone an email and figure out where my phone is. So that you know what the reward is. What's the risk? Oh, we're doing risk and reward. I was thinking. Oh, you said I got to make it worth you. Yeah, you got to make it worth my while. I could publicly shame you. I don't know how much that's going to be though. That's that's fine. Yeah, I'll take I'll take that risk. (laughs) Remember, I offered to do an hour a week of jamming with you on mobile development. Remember, that's true. So it's like, why we why not just do that and we'll just build an app together instead of you trying to incentivize me to do something in two weeks. I'm busy. I'm busy too, but this one, this side's way more fun for me. But I can set aside an hour. You said an a hour week. a week or an hour a day? I said an hour a week. Okay, I just couldn't remember. An hour a week, maybe even a couple hours a week, I'd be down and we could just work on something together. And uh, you're, you seem a little bit more intrinsically motivated than I am anyway. Nick, like for listeners, Nick is the reason this podcast exists. I would be talking about a podcast for the next six years. Whereas Nick was like, podcast, let's do it tomorrow. Here's something on your calendar. Let's go. I just like jamming on stuff and both on the keyboard and in audio, I guess. I've actually wanted a podcast for so long, 
but I just haven't been able to like find someone who I could talk to on a recurring basis about topic, like semi on topic at least. So this works out. This is on semi. Generally speaking, the way to get me to do things is to make it provide some kind of social element, right? It's like, if I'm just going to hang out with a buddy and chat for an hour, that's great. If we're going to hang out and jam on, on an app, like I can do that. If you tell me like, Hey, I want you to do this thing. That's a little bit harder for me. It either needs to be social or there needs to be stakes to it. Stakes typically being like monetary reward or some kind of risk, that kind of thing. And that's really what gets me motivated. So in lieu of discipline, since I don't have any, I typically just find ways to impose <laughs> external stakes on myself when there's a thing I know I want to do, but no, I won't do if I don't raise the stakes somehow. So yeah, that's a tidbit about me nobody cares about, but that's okay. I feel like a good portion of this last 10 minutes is probably going to get cut out. <laughs> Shout out to Joe. Joe C. I don't, what's his last name? I know his last name, but he doesn't have it in his Twitter profile. So I'm not going to say it publicly. I don't know if he's publicly saying his last name. Joe from the Solana Foundation DevRel he's team. He's awesome. Yeah. So he's on the DevRel team. He started making short like Solana crash course type things on YouTube before he got hired. In fact, that's like how he got hired is I think Chase or Jacob saw his videos and they were like, hey, how about you come do more of these and join the DevRel team? I think that's that may not exactly be what happened, but I do know that he's been making more of these like Solana crash course video series and they're uh, they're freaking awesome. So shout out to Joe. And if you're looking to learn a little bit more about Solana development, go through his crash course video series, especially the video is your jam. Yeah, for sure. You know what the funny thing is? So you mentioned his tutorial videos prior to working at Foundation. And I actually found those like recently after Breakpoint, after I actually met Joe in person. And I was just browsing the internet, browsing YouTube. And I was just like looking to learn some more stuff. And I was like, oh, this one's about like more Rust themes. So I started watching it. I was like, this voice sounds really familiar. I got like five minutes in. I was like, this is Joe. This is 100% Joe. And then I watched a whole bunch of them. I haven't watched any of them since like last spring when Chase was like, hey, watch these and tell me what you think kind of thing. But I've watched a couple then. I've seen Joe do some teaching in person over the summer at Mountain Dow. Uh, dude's, dude's freaking awesome. Mm. Not to mention he's a party. He's a lot of fun, which is the most important thing to me, right? Who cares about learning when you can have fun? All right, let's wrap this and then we can have fun. Okay, fun time. All right. Notes for the show can be found at soulfate.com. Bye. Peace.